So I want to start off by saying thank you, and I'm a huge fan. Uh, I listen to your podcast religiously, and I find it tremendously helpful uh, in terms of of education and understanding anxiety and how it can affect you. Um, I was just wondering, can you please touch on uh, brain fog? Um, I find it that that is the most difficult symptom to kind of work through. And I don't, I'm not sure as a result of the brain fog, if it kind of causes depersonalization or derealization where it almost puts you in like a state of confusion where it's hard to even execute any sort of decisions on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, so if you could just uh, speak a little bit about brain fog. Welcome to Disordered. This episode is episode 36 and it's titled Anxiety and I can't quite remember, feeling a bit foggy. My name's Joshua Fletcher, also known as Anxiety Josh, and I'm a psychotherapist who specializes in anxiety disorders based in the UK. I'm a previous sufferer as well as author of several self-help books and the co-host of this wonderful podcast. And I am Drew Linsalata. I am a grad student in clinical mental health counseling, getting closer to be a licensed therapist in New York here in the U.S. of A. I am also an author and a podcaster on this topic of anxiety and anxiety disorders and a former sufferer. So we have a lot in common and co-host of Disorder. What are we talking about today? Uh, I think I think the, uh, the sender in a um, said something about brain fog. Is it something you ever experienced with anxiety? Mm-hmm. Brain fog is a thing. Brain fog for me was, I can't remember things. It would manifest for sure as like my memory, even short term was, was tough to access. Um, long-term memory was not available to me at all in terms of just like remembering names or passwords and things that I needed like for my work. And it was just like having cotton in my head and my, like the thoughts had to try to burrow through the cotton before they could work. I just felt slow. I don't know. It was really hard to describe. It's so hard to describe it. What what about you? Yeah, I don't know. It was very sluggish, difficult to recall things, uh, difficult to sequence um, Mm. thoughts. Uh, I often felt like this feeling like I was in put on the spot, like under the spotlight and I'm trying to sequence and put together words and recall memories. And it was just a very slow process. I could still do it, but it often, it felt like trying to do something that requires high cognitive load uh, when you've had no sleep and you're tired and you're not, and you're hungry and you, you can't quite, you're not at your optimal best. Um, but yeah, brain fog's a really common symptom. I find it really frustrating. And I used to, uh, it's like the, the sender inner, I like how that said that. Uh, she did mention depersonalization or derealization. Like when I would, I, it felt very close to that dissociative state for me. And it would, was frustrating, and then it would lead to feeling dissociated, and then that scared me. And it was just so disruptive and frustrating, and it would make me angry sometimes. Like, why is my brain not working? Yeah. yeah. And particularly um, when you tie into the last episode about fear of losing control, mm-hmm. some people can see that as evidence that there's something wrong with them, um, that they're they're going crazy or then they're, they're, they're very ill in some way or their brain's breaking. No, I assure you that brain fog is a very common symptom and we'll use today's episode to, to explain and, and talk about why it makes sense mm-hmm. that we're going to feel a bit foggy. Yeah. You use the word cognitive load, which is a good one. I mean, there's the, the concept of cognitive load is there's only so many things that our brains can do at one time. We like to think that we're like great multitaskers and we're super smart and we are. 
clearly top of the food chain, but a human brain under heavy load with a lot of other things to think about breaks down pretty quick. We lose the mm. ability to remember things or remember words or remember names. If you give people a lot of things to track in their brains, you see how fast we start to lose capability pretty quick. Did you ever play the, the PC game, The Sims? Uh, yeah, way back when. It was one of the games that I did play a little bit. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, it was great for control issues as well. Uh, you know, oh, look, I can drown the postman in the swimming pool because <laughs> I'm a sadist. But uh, I, I often get these moments of, of everyday brain fog that everyone gets. Uh, you ever just walked into a room and gone, why did I come in here? All, all the time. <laughs> all the time. We all do it. There was a purpose here. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's an everyday example of brain fog. But if you're struggling with anxiety disorder, suddenly it's like a, oh, there's evidence to suggest that, you know, oh, my God, I, I'm struggling here. It would make me pine for my old self probably more than anything else. I was always afraid and, yes, all that stuff, but – that the brain fog was the thing that made me most feel like I just want my old self back. I just want a capable brain back. And I, I would, I was never worried. I will admit that I was never worried that it would be permanent, but I just, I just wanted to not feel that. Yeah. It's an easy target as well for our old friend, Craig. Um, Craig the critic. See, you can't function like you usually can do. Look at you. you, you you're a mess. You can't do things. I mean, it's just nonsense. You know, you're going to get brain fog, mm -hmm. you know, because anxiety is it can be exhausting. You know, uh, why are people who struggle with disordered anxiety, Drew, why are they more prone to brain fog? Oh, I think there's... In, in a situation where survival is more important than anything else to the way your brain functions, we always hear that. Your brain's designed to keep you alive, not happy, not smart, just alive. And when you are completely preoccupied all the time with how you feel, what you're thinking, how you felt yesterday, how you might feel in five minutes or tomorrow, what's going on around you, what might trigger you, who might trigger you, there's already a very long list when I wrote 7% slower, I said being an ang a brain in charge of an anxious person is a, it's a difficult job because the pay is long, the task list never ends, and, you know, there's no rest. So there's mm. always stuff for your brain to be worried about and focused on that survival-based, but always goes to the top of the chain, always. Mm. So I, my feeling on that is when my survival, that limbic system is activated, the lower part of my brain is activated, the front part of my brain that's responsible for quick thinking and being agile it's kind of deep preferenced in the algorithm there. So yeah. it, it makes sense. Like I'm not there at that moment. I'm just terrified. I'm afraid. I'm worried. I'm, I'm looking for threats. Reasoning and remembering passwords and doing crossword puzzles is not important in that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's in charge of that threat response, Drew? Oh, we all know. Amygdala. Good. Absolutely. Halloween you have sound. to prioritize threats. Yeah. It's better to be safe and alive Yep. Uh, 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 rather than being able to do a crossword or answer a, a boring question that someone's asked you. You know, that was another brain foggy thing for me where someone would just be talking to me and they've asked me something and I've just zoned out because yep. of brain fog. Um, they've asked me a basic question and I've kind of just got halfway through it and then I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, the sender in mentioned DPDR, derealization, suddenly maybe that might have got my attention halfway through, mm -hmm. particularly if I fear anxious symptoms like oh yeah, yeah oh now i'm looking at oh, now i'm dissociated it's all part of it because many anxious symptoms including brain fog overlap with one another yeah for sure i think what's interesting about it is if somebody 
And we've all had this. We have people in our lives, maybe there was a huge loss. Maybe they, someone passed away, someone close to them. And you know that they're in that state where, like, they're just not functional for a while because they're in a, a, a major, there's a huge loss. They're experiencing huge waves of grief. They're under the gun. You would not question why that person, your friend who's in that situation or your loved one who's in that situation, you, you get that they're not at work. They're not fast. They're slow. They're sluggish. They're overcome by their emotions. We don't question that. But yet in an anxious state, when it happens, it's like, oh, something must be wrong. It's almost the mm -hmm. same thing. Yeah, under load. Yeah, yeah. And, you're, and, and you're overstimulated when you're anxious too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, and yeah, that will make things a bit trickier. It doesn't mean you can't function mm -hmm. and do not avoid things because you're afraid of the overstimulation because you're afraid of the brain fog. Mm -hmm. But this is where care and compassion and being nice to yourself really plays a role, which is like, I'm going to go and do it anyway. And I might be a bit slower, you know, um, because you actually find that you can uh, perform or engage with things better than you think. Picture someone doing public speaking. I, I get brain fog doing public speaking all the time because my threat response has fired off. Mm. I'm super nervous. My anxious response, you know, doesn't want me to fail or, you know, scanning for signs of threat. So actually, optimally, I'm probably not the best, but also that kind of hyper awareness of things actually helps my performance too. I'm not beating myself up going, oh my God, I'm overstimulating myself. Oh, my threat response is affecting my cognitive ability to recall, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. This is why people like rehearse doing things like public speaking yeah. so they can, so it's easier to recall on, on, on the fly when your anxious response is going off. So just remember, yeah, don't add secondary worry to brain fog. It's part of it. You know, like, oh, it's like saying, I've not drank a glass of water all day. Why am I feeling sluggish, tired, and dehydrated? Oh, there's a reason mm. I haven't drank water. Right. Why am I feeling brain foggy? Oh, yeah, because I'm worried about symptoms of anxiety and I've been overstimulated and I'm pr probably, you know, tired. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's an exhausting state to be in. You know full well you were in it. Like, it was tiring to be in that state all the time. Whether it's, it wasn't full panic all the time, but being, kind of, you know, focused on how you feel and worried all day long about how you feel, where's, where's your out? Can sure. you get brain brain fog with, um, if depression is involved as well, Drew? Oh, yeah. In the times in my life that I've been through what people call clinical depression or we might major depressive disorder, whatever you want to call it, brain fog was a huge player in that, huge. Like every decision, including should I stand up or sit down, in the moment, or what should I eat because I'm hungry? What should I eat was a, a like a monumental decision. You might as well have been asking me to make some sort of life or death, like, hey, just design a brand new country and a new constitution. Like, really? Like, what should I take out of the fridge was a hard decision for me to make. Yeah. So funny you mentioned that. Often, like, it's something that I've written in my books and stuff like that. One of my most used anecdotes is my the scariest thing I've done, which is going to Asda for the first time after not leaving the house mm. for, for, for many months. And it was something that actually I shared in, in the boost group that we did a few weeks back. Uh, and someone could relate to it where when you're in the, I was in the supermarket and I picked up two tins of soup. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it, it, the, the, the brain fog was like, do I get tomato soup? Do I get chicken soup? And, and that decision just felt so important. Whereas, like looking back, it was like just get buying both. It's soup; it lasts forever. But 
acknowledging actually, no, I'm anxious. There's adrenaline, there's cortisol pumping around. Things are going to feel a bit discombobulated yeah. at the moment. And it's okay. Like I got through it. I'm like, yeah, all right. That's okay. That's part of learning to to go through brain fog. Yeah. Like you can still function. It's just not at the, at the speed and at the efficiency that you like. It's still the state itself causing the anxious state. You know, we talk about that all the time, the fear of fear. Anxiety makes more anxiety. In that situation, I might suggest... It's not the fact that you had to choose between one soup or the other. Yeah, that's irrelevant. It's that you had to choose at all. And since I have to make a decision, and I'm bad at that right now, the fact that I notice that I can't make a decision just ratchets me up a little bit more. The anxiety makes more anxiety. So I, I think that was big for me, recognizing that. And Craig, the critic, will pick on that as well. If yeah. you're someone who's very self-critical, yeah, this is a problem. And I, for me, that, that you know, I don't, I don't think I suffer a lot with a lot that inner critical voice. But there, it would come out a lot. In the last episode that we did, I talked about that too. I would pine away for the old me, and it was so hard to have degraded like intellectual performance. And it was a hundred percent degraded. There was no doubt. I wasn't going to lie. I wasn't going to pretend that everything was fine. It wasn't. I was slow, and that hurt. Was it as bad as you? thought it was in the moment in retrospect you know you can always look back and say no it probably wasn't that bad i mean i remember one specific incident where i had to configure we were running a wireless internet network here on long island and it was a sunday morning i was in full agoraphobia mode the the node the network node is maybe eight or nine minutes from my house might as well have been ninety thousand miles couldn't go there or was afraid to go there and I had to reconfigure the network on the fly. And if I made a mistake, it meant I had to go there to fix it. Is that with those IP addresses that you memorized? Yeah, and I could not. I had to write it all down. That was and, one of the, yeah, probably the, uh, that was a low for this podcast that you admit. The fact that, that I admitted that I remembered addresses. all those IP addresses. It was a low watermark for sure. I'll, we'll go lower. <laughs> we'll find we'll find worse than that, I'm sure. Maybe that, maybe today. But uh, I remember having to sit down and I can't do this. I had to write out all of the commands and all the things I had to do and then go over it and check it again and check it again. And then I sat there with my hands shaking, reading my instructions to do it. But guess what? I did it. So in retrospect, was I unable? No, I just had to learn to adapt. And in many mm. ways, while that hurt, Craig, the critic was in full force there. You were mm. always the fast guy when the shit was on fire. They called ah. you. Yeah. When stuff was burning down, you're the guy that they wanted to, to put out the fire because you could just, just do it. And I couldn't do it in that moment. And that was a hard, Craig the Critic was loud that day. What's the ultimate comeback to that, to I Craig mean, the Critic saying that? I mean, in retrospect, I, it was hard to have a comeback in the moment. But I remember when I finished, like pushing the chair back from my desk and saying, I did it. Like, look, I did it. You know, did it take me longer than it otherwise would have? Yes. Did I actually learn a better way to actually do it? I probably did. And I remember thinking, this was probably a better way to do this going forward. Even if I don't have to, this was a well, better learned, method. I learned, learned something. Yes. But, but you, and it's the important thing. And this is something if you want to take from this episode, it doesn't matter what the symptom is that you have, yep. whether it's brain fog or whatever. I could do this despite yes. feeling anxious. Isn't that empowering? Yeah, ideally. Ideally, I, I want to do anything not feeling anxious, but I could do this despite feeling anxious. Mm. Wow. So when push comes to shove, I can do this feeling over the moon or I can do this feeling like crap. 
Yeah. But I can do this. Yeah, for me, I, it was the realization. It wasn't a feeling of elation that I had gotten through it and didn't have to go out. Now, we could talk about that's a different recovery topic, the agoraphobia part. You know, I was able to avoid that fear, but I had to face the brain fog to do it. You can't get everything all at once, right? But when I was done, I remember thinking I did it. I felt elated about it. And I remember being able to access that lesson like, oh, if I had to do it, I could do it again like this. Now I know how to do it with brain fog. And that made me feel pretty good. And it did silence the, the critical voice. While I was in the middle of it, man, he was screaming. This is, yeah. what kind of way is this to live? Be, beating you while you're down. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh, rough. Your voice comes into my head about this particular symptom as well when you say things like, this is not special. Oh, yeah. You know, obviously, disclaimer, if you're worried about any symptom, go to your doctor, mm. talk it through this and that, you know, and they'll just make sure they'll do the due diligence and make sure everything's all right. But in general, brain fog is very, very common with anxiety. Um, and what you got to remember is that just because you have brain fog doesn't mean that it's your special brain fog, right? It's everyone experiences brain fog, usually as a result of tiredness, stress, overstimulation, and exhaustion. Um, you know, the amount of times people go, I trying to recall a word even, and people get brain fog then like, Oh, what's that word? What's that thing I wanted to say? <laughs> oh, I forgot. Or oh, what was the name of that person? And then two, three in the morning, they're yep. like, bang, I found it. Oh, and then, and then it's almost become like a joke, isn't it? Like, like, a, a, oh, yeah. like a, a common thing that people say in conversation, which is, um, I, Sorry. is that, is that, that your was, notifications that was, again? Yeah. And, and anyway, I'm going to get brain fog with those things. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, it comes with common trouble. Where it's like, oh, I'll remember that at two, three in the morning later on. I know it. I know it when, when it's all gone and I could have said it. Yep. We see it on daytime quiz shows like, you know, I'm so I drew brain a blank. Foggy. I know, I know the answer to this, but I, I just can't recall it right now. It's so normal. But don't let your anxiety or crave the crick or your perfectionistic tendencies in anxiety recovery make it special. That's true. In Western cultures, we we all understand. I drew a blank. My wine, my, my I was so nervous. My wine went blank. I couldn't remember the word. Like I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do it. Like or people will worry. Like musicians, what if I forget the lyrics? Because we recognize that sometimes that happens to us. Just that an anxious person will interpret it as, oh no, this is a huge problem. And I've seen musicians who've played the same song thousands of times, and I go, I just forgot the lyrics. Forget the forget the words. Just, yeah. just had a funny moment. Just had a funny moment. You yeah. know. It's not special, you know, try not to let anxiety latch onto it as something special. And particularly those with, you know, following on from the last episode about um, OCD subtypes and people who fixate on fear of losing control mm. or the, the decline of their brains and or am I broken or whatever. No, it's just I'm anxious a lot, so I'm going to expect brain fog. Yeah, yeah. I expect it is a big deal. You don't have to like it. It doesn't mean you like it or welcome it. But expecting it is kind of a big deal because I think every in almost every episode we do, I'm sure there are people listening who want to say, oh, that's cool. They're talking about dizziness, but they didn't tell me how to make it go away. We never we never talk about how to make it go away because you don't have to like you don't have to like brain fog. You don't even have to welcome it. You could be scared by it, but it's the whole like I got to do something about it. I have to fix it. I have to make it go away. How do you make it go away? How do you calm that down? Well, stop trying to calm it down would be always the same advice, right? And in yeah. this situation, I found that that, you know, believe it or not, I learned a little bit about self-compassion when I had to deal with my brain fog. So I didn't think I was doing learning self-compassion, but I was. 
Did you ever do, did you ever try to, because you, you made a good point, don't avoid because of brain fog. Did you ever try to prove it wrong? Did you ever do that thing where it's like, I'm going to, let me do some math things or a crossword or let me see if I can remember my cousin's names to make sure that my yeah. brain works? Yeah, the, the compulsive hamster wheel, which yep. I often mention about the hamster wheel. Yeah, because you, you're testing, compulsive testing. Don't get me wrong, you know, if you're feeling a bit brain foggy and a bit lackluster and you've not used your cognitive brain uh, for a while because you've maybe you're feeling depressed and mm -hmm. you want to engage your attention externally, great. Do brain training, do stuff like that. I yep. love it. Yep. If you're doing it out of fear, right? You no, know, I need to prove this wrong, my brain then that, you know, as we know, they're anxious compulsions. If it know, feels which, urgent, mm. like you have to do it urgently or do it right now. I would yeah. try to remember birthdays. And I'm terrible at people's birthdays. We've been friends now for three or four years, you and I. If you tell me, I don't know your birthday, I'm never going to know it. You could tell me today and every day, I'm never going to remember your birthday. I just know it. But in those wow. days, urgently, I would try to remember people's birthdays to prove that, like, I still had a working brain. Yeah, absolutely. And it was ridiculous because um, I don't remember them when I'm not anxious and it would make me worse. I just, I've got better at this, but I don't do it with names. Name, no, just yeah. like, and they're like, hi, my name is <laughs> nice to meet you. And I'm like, I'm going to remember that name. Nope. Minute later. Yep. Done. Hi, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. That's that thing where you're, not, you're trying to, you don't want them to know that you forgot their name a minute later. I get that. But everybody gets that. We all probably get that. My name is actually Alfonso Lewis III. <laughs> not Bob. Oh, Where'd you get Bob? Sorry, Bob. Oh, sorry, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a universal human experience. To, brain fog just that an anxious person will interpret it as a huge emergency or a problem that needs to be fixed or solved and they don't want to expect it. And then they will say they're blindsided by it or they're hope that it doesn't exist. And then when it does, Oh no, it's back. Like I'm just yeah. going to be like this today. And if I'm not bonus, but if I am, yeah. I expected it. It's not the first sign of you going crazy. Yep. Yeah. But brain fog with insert symptom, right? Whatever it might be. Derealization, uh, tiredness, uh, I have sleep anxiety and brain fog. So see, now I'm, there's more pressure to sleep. There's more, no, it doesn't matter. You can still function. You are functioning way better than what you think you are. I mean, sometimes the acceptance, you know, we talk about acceptance all the time in this, this thing we do, and accepting that you will be maybe slower, or you might make some more mistakes. Uh, people will often complain, not complain, but they'll get freaked out because they, they're stumbling over my, their words. The brain fog was so bad, I, I felt like I was stumbling over words. Like, okay, well, stumble over the words. You still got the words. They just weren't as eloquent as you would like them to be. But that's not a disaster unless you no. interpret it as such. Uh, no one's 100% all the time. Oh, sorry, man. As evidenced by Drew and his off. inability to silence notifications. That I cannot turn off, believe it or not. But I, Why? I can, yeah. Well, who on earth and what on earth is that? <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to fix it while we're... See, I'm going to multitask because I don't have brain fog today. It's all right. I'll carry it. Keep on going. Brain fog. <laughs> no, it's one of those that the interpretation of the symptom matters. So, and it's the same with DPDR and all these other symptoms that people see as special or what's most frightening to them is that work on your relationship and your interpretation with it. A healthy kind of modeling would be, oh, there we are. I feel a bit brain foggy today, but that makes sense. You know, I'm in the middle of an anxiety disorder, there's other stuff going on, there's stress in my life. Maybe I'm a parent who's had to actually sequence loads and use a lot of cognitive stuff this morning. I'm looking, I'm getting kids ready for school. Maybe I'm a carer. Maybe I've got stuff to do for work. And what happens is the brain fog is seen out of context to actually everything that you have done that day. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you have a little window of brain fog and suddenly, oh yeah, that needs all my focus. 
no, I'd, I'd suggest turning around going, hey, look what I have managed to achieve. Yeah, under duress and under load. Like, give yourself a little credit for that. Get some credit for functioning anyway, even though not optimally. I had to accept not optimal, but, but acceptable, passable, serviceable. Okay, I'm not optimal today. There's nothing I can do about that except fighting to be optimal or prove that I still was. That was just making, it was making things worse for me, for sure. Fighting it, no doubt. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. definitely. Uh, don't let the pressure get to you as well, brain fog. Like some people, if they're going to the doctor or their therapist or whatever, and all week they're like, no, I know what to say. I, I need to convey this. I, I need to tell this person something. And then on the spot, you might just draw a blank. Like Drew said, that's okay. That's fully um, expected to yeah. happen. Yeah. It's your compassionate response to it, um, which I am a huge advocate of. Yeah, I mean, think about, you know, just to come back to that, you know, how do, how do I, how am I, can I do that? We'll talk to you like you would talk to somebody that you cared about, a friend, a partner, a, a child, a, a relative, anybody. I mean, a coworker that you were particularly fond of. If that, you, that person was struggling that day, you might say, hey, you're just all right. You're allowed to have a bad day. So try to adopt that attitude and bring it into your conversation with yourself as best you can. That's being compassionate to yourself. Couldn't have said that any better. Yeah. Drew, can you hear that? I can hear something coming and it's quite scary. Mm-hmm. Amygdala. <laughs> Is there a Halloween sound effect since yesterday was Halloween? We've got a fantastic of, did it anyway. Yep, Halloween. We're going to play to you. It's Halloween themed. It's Halloween here. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Hi, guys. I just wanted to share my win. Um, I haven't had a proper social drink in about 11 months as when I did at the beginning of this year. It started off a huge chain reaction of panic attacks, which then descended into um, kind of anxiety disorder, panic disorder, low moods, and a real, real struggle this year. Um, there were other contributing factors as well, but um, the night out with kind of caffeinated drinks and things didn't help. Halloween is my favourite holiday, and I uh, felt determined to go out for it, so I arranged to go to a Halloween horror maze where you get chased um, in the dark, and to then go in fancy dress to a party at the pub with a DJ. Um, I undenied about it all week, uh, nearly cancelled quite a few times, and then just decided to go ahead with it, and the maze was terrifying, but amazing, and then we went out to the pub in our fancy dress, we danced the night away, we were right by the speakers, um, I had four drinks, which is more than I've had at any other point this year. I um, four drinks. And it was very crowded, and I did it anyway. I risked the panic and the anxiety. I slept terribly afterwards. I had a hangover the next day and the first time in I don't know how long, and it was absolutely worth it. And I know that might not be the usual sort of win, but for me, like a night out every now and then, especially at Halloween, is what non-anxious me would have done. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. There were some great tunes, really good time with friends, and it felt like a huge, huge, huge win. Um, and it's a lot of it is thanks to your podcast. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Love it. That, that's amazing. There's so many things I like about that, uh, Drew. Uh, 
what non-anxious you would do, um, doing things that scare you, running around in the dark, being chased, like purposely evoking the amygdala, something that we often run scared from mm -hmm. in itself. Uh, doing, uh, I just think that's absolutely wonderful and well done to you for doing that. It even lasted until the next morning. The fact that she was able to point out, I didn't sleep well, I was tired, I was hung over the next day. Because often in the, our community, that story will become, I had a great night, but th this morning I'm so anxious. She was able to actually carry it through to the next morning. I'm hung over and I'm tired. Okay, I'm not going to call right it an emergency. Positive snowball. Ooh, that's a spooky sound. Of course, people... People are hearing this like two weeks after Halloween, I believe, or three weeks, so they don't get it's it. It's completely incongruous. <laughs> like, what is wrong with these guys? Talking about brain yeah. fog. <laughs> no, a superb, superb. Um, do we have any other did it anyways or questions? You had it. Did you have a, a did it anyway with you wanted to read? Was that you or? Yeah, I do have one. Uh, I did lose it temporarily. Sorry, because okay. I had to sign out and sign in. Brain fog. Um, but yeah, brain fog is exactly what it was. Um, do you have a question or anything that we can answer first? Yeah, we can do that. I'm going to pop in. I'm going to take a, a random action. Let's see who this was. Okay, well, let's answer. You know what? This is completely random. Uh, this person did not say to use her name, but that's okay. It This literally came in just now as I was looking. No, that's not true. But the, the question was, do you think the gut has anything to do with anxiety? Now, if you haven't listened to our Will they have heard it? Yeah, they will have heard an episode with uh, Dr. Sula on IBS and anxiety. You should listen to that. But this question is, do you think that the gut has anything to do with anxiety? I've been hearing so much about this. She goes on to talk about more. But uh, what do you think? Dr. Sula gave the best answer to this, I think, ever. So you should listen I to that mean, episode. Go, go listen to that. But in general, I don't. Pe when people in our community look at the gut, mm -hmm. what they're asking is, is there something I can either do mm -hmm. Or is there something I'm already doing that isn't helping so I can shortcut my way out of discomfort? Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. Like if, you know, you want to look at your gut biome and wellness and stuff like that, you, you go for that. You know, I do. I have my fermented foods and things like that. I'm not doing that so I feel less anxious. I'm doing it just to look after my overall well-being. Yeah. Try not to see gut health as the way out of a phobia of fear and a misinterpretation of the amygdala. Yeah. You know, if I, if I go and smash a cheeseburger now, it's not being gobbled up by my stomach and then my amygdala's going, oh my God, you know, yeah. like, you know, there's danger here or whatever. Don't get me wrong, I can feel discomfort sometimes. When I'm bloated, I don't like that. And mm. sometimes the threat response kicks in and it's like, I don't like feeling bloated. Is there something I can do? But in general, and I can only really answer my, my, my opinion, I don't see it as the end of getting out of an anxiety disorder. Yeah, I think, um, again, I, I can't repeat enough. Go to listen to episode, I think it was 34 with Dr. Sula about IBS. And she gave the best explanation of second brain that I have heard ever. She became That's my favorite great. guest instantaneously. So if you, it's because of the whole your gut is your second brain thing, go listen to what she had to say. Essentially, she very clearly identified why we call it that. And it has nothing to do with what you think it is as an anxious person. There's a lot of nerve endings in, in your stomach and there's a lot of signaling that goes on and it's attached to those feelings, but it doesn't create yeah. the feelings. That's, it doesn't create the absolutely. fear. 
Yeah. And, and Dr. Seuss is way more qualified yeah, 100%. Than, it, than, that, than sure. we are. Yep. Um, I, I found the, the Did It Anyway. I like this one a lot. Uh, I'm going to request piano background so it sounds more epic. That means I have to actually have the music ready, which I don't. But if you give me two seconds, I can have it ready. Yes. You want to do that? It's almost like you had a bout of brain fog there. Almost. How many times can we say that today before people really just rebel and come and get us? But that's okay. Um, let's go and get our little music, which I will do right now. And it is ready to rock. So I will put some, some music in for you right now. Ready? I'm going to play music and then you start reading. I have just finished listening to your latest episode on social anxiety. And wow, I listen to every episode, even if they're not really applicable to my experience. Because I'm just such a fanboy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anyway, going into today's episode, I thought, social anxiety, that's not really something I struggle with, but I'll give it a listen anyway. For a bit of context, I've been a gigging musician since the age of 15, half my life. I've played and sung in front of thousands of people and done some really high-end pressure gigs. I've never really felt socially anxious or unable to perform in any of these scenarios. However, when you guys started discussing the fawn response, everything just clicked. My father is bipolar and was undiagnosed and unmedicated for the entirety of my childhood. Safe to say it was a difficult environment to grow up in. I can instantly sense someone's mood when I enter a room. I am a relentless people pleaser, often to the detriment of my own happiness, and find it difficult to be around people who are unpredictable. I never knew this was social anxiety, but your episode really pulled the curtain back on my entire history with anxiety. Thank you so much for the work you do. Also, a specific thank you to you, Josh. This is why I'm reading it out. <laughs> Over a year ago, I eventually received my OCD diagnosis after suffering with intrusive thoughts on and off for the best part of two years. I reached out to Josh asking how I could start my recovery. His recommendation of ERP therapy has utterly changed my life. A year on and I truly have my life back and I'm now determined to live that life how I choose, not how anxiety chooses. I still have work to do regarding my social anxiety, but hey, recognizing it is half the journey. Take care, guys. And once again, thanks. Oh, I love that. That's really great. I love that he has so, his life back. That's so good, isn't it? Uh, I mean, you acknowledge certain things. And um, thank you for taking the time out to share that as well and sharing your um, uh, an openness from your personal life. Uh, we love hearing stuff like that. And Often anxiety can make us challenge other parts of our identity. Even today, we're talking about Craig the Critic and brain fog. Sometimes social anxiety can open up different things. And that, that's, that's the nature and complexity of dealing with mental health. Absolutely. Yeah, it would be nice to say oh, it's just an anxiety disorder. And sometimes it's mechanical and you deal with just that. But sometimes other stuff gets opened up. Other cans of worms get opened up. But that's a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. You can work oh, on yeah. all the stuff. Definitely. Yeah, I'm a fan uh, Thank you uh, so much for tuning in. Uh, if you don't follow us on social media, come find us on there. Uh, I am Anxiety Josh, and Drew is the dot anxious dot truth. Uh, feel free to sign up to our newsletter on Disordered.fm. Mm -hmm. You can pop us some um, questions, leave us a voice note, whether it's a question or a hashtag. Did it anyway? Um, and yeah, um, if you've got us a moment, we'd love a, a review on whatever you stream us on, whether it's Spotify or Apple. Uh, and thank you for the reviews that you've left so far. We really appreciate it. Yeah, they've all been lovely. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will see you again next week. We're out.